Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, joined by Jason Staples. And Jason, I'm not quite sure why so many people are surprised about the outcome of the Louisville game. I'm certainly not. I thought Lamar Jackson would have a ridiculously good game. But something about the performance of the defense is that I didn't think Lamar Jackson played particularly well, and yet he still put up what he did. Let's start with that. Carolina's defense is just bad. I actually thought Lamar Jackson was super impressive. You know, watching from the box, getting the chance to see the all 22, all 22 uh, appearance there. I was so impressed by how easy he made things look. And a lot of it was him making things look easy. I mean, every defense is going to have things that, that the offense can potentially take advantage of. I mean, you, you, anytime you're lining up with 11 on 11, you have to be willing to give up something as a rule. I mean, there are only a few defenses that, that have the personnel to try to take away everything. Uh, and Carolina on most plays had things, you know, they, they, they were in their they did their assignments and, you know, they, they generally were sound, but Lamar Jackson just made things look so easy because he recognizes things so quickly. Now he reads coverages so much better than he did even last year. He's, he's become a complete quarterback, which, you know, it makes things look worse. I mean, cause you, you feel like, Oh wow. You know, it's just Carolina's defense being bad. But when you watch, him making those decisions and just taking, oh, okay, well, they took that away, so I'm going to take this. That's what really impressed me. So I thought he played pretty well. Yes, he missed a couple things he could have hit, especially in the second half. There were about four or five loose throws that he had that could have been even more points. But the reality is when you're playing an offense like Louisville and when you're playing a quarterback like Jackson, you're going to give up plays, and it's going to be hard to hold them to anything remotely looking like a good defensive performance. And if you don't have difference makers at multiple levels to really do more than just be sound, you're gonna have a hard time. He's gonna embarrass you at different points, even when you are sound, because he's just that he's that dude. <laughs> so to me, you know, the the real the the real thing that this exposed is again, Carolina doesn't have those couple difference makers that can put, apply the pressure to a guy like Jackson to, to accelerate that process and make things really difficult on him. And, and if you don't do that, he's going to cut you up. Yeah, I, I guess that's what it was. He just, it looked so easy to him. And I thought the throws, I think he started 14 of 17, then had a string there where he, where he may have gone two of two of six, one of six. But, ridiculous performance i mean the guy is a generational type player but let's talk a little bit about how carolina defended him you spoke last week 
about what they needed to do or what you thought they would do. So numbers aside, <laughs> did, did Carolina address it as you thought they would? Because I felt like watching it from my naked eye that they kind of were caught in between of what they were trying to do. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I mean, I thought, you know, they didn't they didn't fire zone it like I thought they might. They didn't, you know, that's that's where you bring five from different places. You know, you can bring five and then and then go into a three deep type look. They didn't do that quite as much. Uh, they actually took a little more aggressive approach overall than 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 just taking that approach by playing some quarters, trying to get some support from the safeties there, doing a lot of man free. I was surprised by how much man under they played, and you know that 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 came back to bite them a few times because quite frankly they don't have the guys particularly at, at linebacker but but overall they didn't have the players to be able to match up in single coverage against Louisville's wide receiving core and particularly with 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 Jackson putting it on the money on time the way that he did most of the game they just didn't have the players to be able to match that and you know, the thing is, that's the hard part about, again, playing a guy like Jackson. If you play zone and you leave some, and you leave some holes open, if he's throwing like that, it's not going to matter much. You're going to get a guy that you're going to, he's going to find a guy open in his own. And, and, and so they played a lot of man. They, they, they mixed in a good bit of zone uh, when they, you know, they did some, they did run a few fire zone type things and got burned on a couple of them, frankly, you know, that, that, uh, corner blitz that they brought that they got beat over the top on. They had a, a single safety to, that that you know Dorn just didn't stay deep enough, and Jackson can throw can throw over the top with a flick in a way that most quarterbacks can't. And you know that's the sort of thing that makes them so hard to defend. So again, you know, I, I they did a little bit different. Uh, they took a little bit different approach than I expected, but overall. I thought most of what they did defensively was was sound and and made sense considering the kind of offense that they were playing. It's just again they don't have guys defensively that scare a team like Louisville or make Jackson have to look for you. They got one guy and that's MJ Stewart. Uh, and that that that's that kind of player. That's a next level NFL sure thing type player that that can cause those problems and Jalen Dalton had a pretty dang good game as well but you know that's that's just not enough you've you've got to have more more guys that can that can cause havoc particularly up front if you're going to be able to uh to even slow down Lamar Jackson the way the way that he played on Saturday and and again I came I came away so impressed by the way that that guy recognized coverages took the easy checkdowns when he needed to, took advantage of matchups when he saw it, you know, threw to space, threw on time. He just, he, he looked like an NFL pocket passer. And then you add all the other things that Lamar Jackson brings to the table. It was just, it was really impressive to me. We'll talk more about this later in the week, or at least I hope we will. But how does Carolina, given their limitations, their physical limitations, how do they deal with these type routes that teams are running. And I noticed you tweeted maybe in response to me or we talked during the game, it wasn't always the linebackers' faults on those underneath routes. It was cornerbacks getting caught in the wash or losing their man. So how do you scheme against that? Because cl <laughs> clearly Carolina's going to see it all year, like all year, every day, every series. 
what do you do as a coaching staff to try to get guys in position when you're dealing with issues of they're just not very fast, they're just not very strong in coverage? I mean, there's got to be a way to at least limit the damage, doesn't there? Well, I mean, ideally, you get a lot of pressure on the quarterback so that, you know, it takes it generally takes a little while for a guy to get across the field. The best recipe to stop that stuff, to stop crossing routes and over routes and drive routes and, and all that stuff, shallows, all of those things, the best recipe to stop them is pressure on the quarterback. And, and all you have to do is look at the California game when Andre Smith got that interception on a shallow cross. That happened to be when the quarterback got pressure. And, you know, when, when, when you're able to pressure the quarterback and, and, and cause him to have to speed up and make an inaccurate throw on those, on those crossers, that's your best recipe. But quite frankly, Carolina has not been able to get the kind of pressure from their front four that I, I certainly think they hoped for coming in the year. And, and I think they've gotten less than, than we expected, than I expected coming in. Uh, so that's, that's a problem. The other thing is that crossers, particularly the shallow cross type stuff that, that Petrino does so much, a lot of that stuff, and also California does a lot. Both of those offense do it, offenses do it a lot. The thing is that that, that, that is a man-beater play. And a couple of the ones that you saw with, L, with, uh, with Louisville this, this week were mesh concepts, where you have a crosser coming from each side, and the design is basically to run really close to each other. Actually, the way that, that you coach the mesh generally is that the, the two shallow crossers are supposed to slap hands as they go by. And you'll see this a lot of times. They'll actually slap hands to make sure that they uh, are in proper relationship. And by doing so, if you've got two man coverage players, they'll run into each other when they're covering those guys. And then one of them will probably come open as a result. And that actually happened on, on one play where, where both Carolina defensive backs on a shallow cross ran into each other. One just narrowly missed running into the umpire and then took out the other and you know that that's the design of that you're you're basically creating a pick from the defense picking itself there and what you have to do is first of all teams that are going to run a lot of that stuff they're running that as a man beater they're they're expecting man coverage there and they're trying to call that to run away from man coverage or to cause some pick problems with man coverage so one way to to deal with that is to break tendency here and there and and call some sort of zone look expecting the crosser and and having your guys pick up that cross as it's coming across that's one way to do it but again if you're if if you can't if you can't cover in the cover it in the zone then that doesn't help you another thing that that is Im- an important technique is uh, a lot of a lot of defensive backs a lot of defensive back coaches will coach their defensive backs to as they recognize a crosser, they start looking across for the next one if, to see if there's some sort of mesh, and they'll try to switch that out on that mesh. But that's a complicated thing to, to coach. It's hard to teach and sometimes can end up worse off than trying to run through it. So, so it's not really something I'd, I'd choose to do myself. So, you know, really the, the biggest thing is you've got to get pressure. You got to play a little bit of zone so that they can't just automatically try to do this stuff in a, in a man context. And you've got to have guys be able to to be physical and knock guys off their routes on those shorter shorter ones. On some of the longer ones, some of the longer crossers, like the one that they caught for a touchdown early on, that's a situation where the linebackers are really at fault, and that's where the linebackers have to get their depth and be able to recognize. There's communication involved. You have to be able to recognize the guy who's 
coming into your zone and match where he's going to try to take away the, the throwing lane. But the, again, that's really hard on a, against a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, where you're actually supposed to be sort of sitting where you are because if he suddenly breaks up the middle of the field, you're the guy responsible for him in that, you know, him as a runner as well. And that's what makes Jackson so hard to defend is you have to defend the middle of the field throwing, but you also have to recognize that he can at any moment just pull that ball down. And now your linebacker who's responsible for that middle deep middle zone or that intermediate middle zone, that curl curl zone where you're running a, a crosser into is responsible for the, for the quarterback run as well. So it, it's a bind that, that that guy puts you into and again, it just comes back to you better have some dudes who can get to the quarterback pretty quickly. Otherwise, the other real response to that is you better be able to score some points on offense to make up for what you're inevitably going to give up on defense. One more question about the defense before we flip over to some positives. is A lot of the players talked after the game about miscommunication on defense, trouble getting all in the same call or all on the same page there. What's going on in that regard? And how can that happen multiple times? I mean, obviously, Louisville puts you in that position, but that's a very correctable issue. So your take on that portion of it? Well, again, a lot of that has to do with how Petrino calls games. And they come out in a lot of different types of formations. So they give you you a lot of different looks. Uh, They put you, you know, they they come out and they'll put, you know, one guy in, in the slot on one play and then the next play he's out out wide or they'll motion different they'll use motion different ways to to cause the defense to have to suddenly check into something else or to you know account for whatever they're doing formationally or personnel wise and then you also have to keep in mind that that the way that you're going to defend Jackson in terms of what kinds of calls you have to make sometimes you have to make some hybrid calls you might not make against a less mobile guy you have to take all that stuff into account. And so all that stuff has to be communicated on, okay, you know, they just, they just, uh, they just came out in, in a trips with a, with the back to the trip side here. Now we have to, you know, rotate into a quarter solo coverage, but now they just, now they just motioned to a two by two, two receivers on each side. Now we have to check into a different coverage and that involves communication and each coverage that you're in, involves different reads depending on you know what you've what you've prepared for and all that and again Petrino puts it puts you in a lot of a a lot of difficult spots by using formation and using a lot of different looks to run the same stuff so it's easy to teach on the offensive side because it just involves running the same concepts with lots of different window dressing but on the defensive side it's really really hard to get everybody lined up just right because for for the defense everyone looks different everyone you're having to line up slightly different you're having to make sure that your checks are correct and that the front and the coverage are aligned you know are 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 properly uh oriented together you know properly combined all that stuff takes a little bit of time and and it's difficult i mean they they've done that to a lot of different defenses over the last few years i mean you think about how good that clemson defense was last year and they had I think if I remember correct, they had it, uh, they had over 500 yards on that Clemson defense last year. So, I mean, that they had 568 yards. I'm looking at it now against that Clemson defense that won the national title last year at Clemson. It's just difficult to communicate against that kind of offense that has that kind of firepower 
and can put you in, in so many different matchup disadvantages that you're having to try to work around as a, as a group to make sure that you, you don't put guys in, in places where they can't, where, where they're, they're being asked to do something they can't do. Let's look at the offense. Carolina scored 35 points. One of those special teams won garbage touchdown, but it's still 35 points. And I thought the quarterbacks, this is where the positive comes into it. I thought both quarterbacks did a lot of good things. Let's start with Chaz Surratt. Your take on him, you followed him, you've done his mechanics, and you've done it over and over. How did he look to you in the first half? I thought he looked fantastic on the run, made a lot of good plays, good throws, missed some throws as well. Your take on Surratt's play? I mean, I thought he played really well. I mean, I thought he played better than than expected once again. I mean, I, you know, you can see the growth from week one to week two and how how much more comfortable they were even calling the game for him. You know, he made some throws in this game and made some throws both on the run and from the pocket. You know, he he that deep post he threw was a quality throw. I, I you know, had he placed it where he really wanted it to, it might have scored, but that was a good throw, you know, and, and again, a throw where, you know, those are the kinds of throws that you that coming into the year, they're going, ah, you know, we'll see how he does. He's really shown that he can do the things that this offense needs with his arm. There's still a little inconsistency here and there. there you know, there's a few times where he was a little late getting the ball out or, you know, late making his decision. But by and large, I thought, you know, he managed the game really well. He just was a lot better with his arm than I thought he would be at this at this stage and has really grown uh, over the past, you know, even six months. He's uh he's come a long way, and I think there's a lot of reason a, a lot of reason to be optimistic about a Surratt moving forward, and and you know a, a pretty there should be a pretty rosy picture for the UNC offense for the next couple of years as a result. Brandon Harris came in, Surratt dinged up a little bit. Harris came in, and I know when he came in the game at the start of the second half, people didn't realize Surratt had gotten injured, and did not like the move from Coach Fedora, but Harris acquitted himself fairly well. I mean, he missed some throws. The I feel like he got put in a bad position on the fourth and one. I mean, I don't understand why you have a pocket pass there when they've moved the ball, getting him moving around. So let's start there on both and, and, on and both fourth there. down conversions that they didn't get. Actually, I, I didn't. I didn't think either one was especially well called on that. Frankly, yeah, and that's that's what's disconcerting to me watching this team is that's been a pretty consistent thing over the course of Larry Fedora's time in Chapel Hill is the play calling on fourth down in crunch fourth down and goal line at different times although I thought they did a great job scheming goal line and short yardage in this game you thought so talk about it a little bit because I thought the fourth down was not good I didn't like the play call there into traffic and then Fritz would have scored had he gotten a better ball to him on that play. But just discuss what you saw there from Harris. Yeah, no, I didn't like the fourth down calls. I liked the short yardage and goal line calls other than, you know, outside of the fourth down calls. So, you know, I, I thought that, that the fourth and one call was a situation where, again, what I don't like about that is if they come out in the right cover, in just the right coverage, look, you don't really have a good option. You know, it's going to require, a you know, a, 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 a really good, execution from the quarterback and wide receiver where you're not quite sure at this point that you're going to get that level of execution from those guys and I like something with a little more margin for error than what than what we saw there uh the second one to Fritz you're right he probably scores if it is a if it's an on-target ball but again you have to know the way that you've 
called the game for that quarterback. I mean, I think the, the, the difference in how they called the game for each quarterback was really, really apparent. You know, with Harris, they were, they, they were not throwing it a whole lot underneath. You know, they went to a diamond-type formation with two wide receivers and, and Max protected and let him throw down the field where he, he really can gun it. They spread it and let him throw down the field where he can gun it. And then in that short yardage stuff or in, in, or in the uh, fourth down stuff, suddenly you're asking him to read that intermediate stuff and, and throw underneath. And that's just not where he's as strong at this point. But, you know, I, I think with the short yardage and goal line stuff, you know, they've, that, that's been an area where Carolina struggled in, in recent years. I thought they were very solid there this game. You know, they even brought in a, a fullback look a couple times, uh, which, you know, it appears that uh, Fedora was uh, paying close attention to the Les Miles uh, presentation at the Carolina Coaching Clinic this last year, where Fedora or, or where uh, where uh, Les Miles was presenting on uh, using the fullback in in various ways, uh, but using you know that that tight end H back that extra guy in the backfield and and sneaking him out for the one uh, short yardage conversion on fourth down earlier on. I loved what they did in terms of uh, the first goal line sequence where they ran out that jumbo package and then did that little sugar huddle and then ran to the line and quick snapped to get Fritz wide open in the back of the end zone. That sequence, you could really see that they, they prepared well for a few of those situations. And I, I think they had some specific short yardage calls and goal line calls prepared for this game that, that they, that were just dead on in terms of what they were expecting to get. They got what they wanted and were able to execute that. I just don't think it worked quite as well once they got deeper into the into the game and they they had already fired some of those bullets. I'm not sure they had they had a, a few extra things prepared for the the fourth down plays later on where I I just I didn't think that the the plays were quite as as uh as well prepared. In fairness, the one short one if the defensive line doesn't knock it down, if the defensive lineman doesn't knock it down, it probably is complete. But again, I, I still don't really like that call in the pocket with that quarterback on in that context. But you know, what are you going to do? That you, it's easy to easy to uh, to second guess that kind of call. It's a lot harder to actually make that call. So Carolina two quarterbacks. I think they combined. I saw in Buck's column something around two hundred rating, which was awfully high. So you know these guys, you know Heckendorf and them. How do they deal with this quarterback issue now? Because going into this game, it was Chaz Surratt starting and he was going to play. And Harris comes in only if he's needed. Of course he was. But now Harris has come in and he's played well. So how do you deal with it going into a, a game like ODU? Um, I think some of it depends on how healthy Surratt is. Uh, if, health, if Surratt is healthy, then I think he's still the guy that you start the game with. I think what you do there is you 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 tell him you're going to start the game with him and you're going to ride him and you go with him as long as he's healthy. I think Surratt still is probably the guy that you should go with until maybe late later in the game when the game's in hand and you give Harris some additional reps and try to you know get Surratt out of there because because of uh you know keeping him trying to keep him healthy. If he's not as healthy, then you know you feel comfortable going ahead and rolling with Brandon Harris there. But to me. What I saw in the, in, in the first game and what I saw in the first half of this one, Surratt really should probably still be your guy, even though Harris, I think, played really good football in the second half in Surratt's stead here. I don't really see a reason to, as long as Surratt's healthy enough to go, I don't see a real reason 
to to go with Harris over him, particularly since Surratt is your future. And and I I don't see uh, Harris, you know, bringing a bunch to the table that makes you say, well, we just need to go with that guy if we're going to win at this point. I think you you're a whole lot more comfortable with him having a role and with him as a as a guy if Surratt can't go uh, than you were after the first game. But I still think if it was me, Surratt continues to be my starter, continues to be the guy that I expect to get a good two and a half, three quarters of work against ODU before turning over the reins to uh, to Harris. And I'd still coach Harris as though he was still in the ball, still in the uh, in in the quarterback discussion because he should be. But I wouldn't necessarily try to give him like the third series or anything in this game. Though I mean, I'm I'm not sure what they'll do. And again, a lot of it comes back to how healthy Surratt really is. Last question for this podcast. We'll talk, of course, later in the week as they get closer to that ODU game. But have you seen anything in your football life that resembles the issues Carolina has at offensive line? Now Dillard, the stalwart for the last three months, is dinged up. You bring in a redshirt freshman who I thought did well. I thought the offensive line played well, at least in pass coverage, but how in the world is Coach Cap going to continue to manage uh, this mass unit? And that's putting it lightly. <laughs> so, in answer to your first question, have I ever seen anything like this from you know an offensive line in terms of injuries and so on? Oh, I've seen worse. You know, the 2011 Florida State team had a, had a worse rash of injuries across the, the offensive front, uh, which you know I, I know it's hard to believe, but man, it happens. It does happen periodically with various football teams, and it just that bug just seems to have hit that position group for Carolina this year. I have to say, Cap has done a great job of cobbling together a functional unit to this point. That you know, Louisville's got a good defensive front, and they survived that defensive front, and were able to move the ball consistently on a good Louisville front. Again, I think a lot of it has to do with you know a good overall offensive plan. Quarterbacks played well, but the quarterbacks had time to throw. Offensive line played well throughout this game. No, they didn't run it all that well, but you know that's that's partly a function of how Louisville plays defense, what they do to scheme. But yeah, you know it's it, the 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 thing is you just hope that nobody else goes down, and you hope that you know one or two of the guys that that have gone down to this point are able to get healthy later in the year. But the best you can do is is just continue to you know ne- take that next man up mentality, and hope that these guys gel and are able to execute the basic bread and butter stuff that you do. If anything, sometimes that means you have to be a little bit uh, more simplified with what protections or or run concepts you you use. But otherwise, I mean, you just have to play and you have to you know tell the quarterbacks better get the ball out. Tell the running backs to you know to to be you know, even more vigilant in pass protection and all this. But, but yeah, I mean, this is part of the game. It's what happens every so often. And, you know, this is about as unusual as UNC's health was in the 2015 season where they didn't have any injuries, really. That season was really unusual and this one's unusual. And then most times you fall somewhere in the middle and, and, you know, that's, that's just the way the ball, the ball happens to, 
to roll around uh, in, in, in this game. And sometimes you, you get bit by the injury bug and sometimes you don't, but either way, you're going to have to find a way. And I, like I said, I think cap's been doing a great job with what he's, what, with the hand he's been dealt so far. Steph, Jason, more stuff we could talk about, but we'll save it for later in the week. I know you've got plenty of stuff to get together and work on as we start the work week. And I appreciate you taking the time to join me for this one. Been fun as always. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting.